everybody. Welcome to the Experience by Bike podcast. I'm your host, Seth Dubois, and this is episode number 14 with Emily Lippi. So in this episode, I talk with Emily about her experience racing the Hoodoo 300, which is her, which was her first ultra-endurance bike race. Um, she raced the, the unsupported category, and she ended up not only setting the course record for the women's unsupported category, but she set the course record for the women's supported category and also the men's unsupported category, um, which is incredibly impressive. Um, so I just talked to Emily about her training leading up to the Hoodoo 300 and then also her experience during the race. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Emily has a, a lot of great information to share. And um, thanks again for listening. Do you mind giving me a little bit of a little bit of background in terms of what got you into um, this this ultra racing or biking um, in general? I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's very much my siblings' impact. Um, they, I think, and I guess it must have been like 2016 when our cousin got married, uh, Max, and my other sister Amy. They um they decided they wanted to bike to the wedding, um so they biked from Col- from Colorado to Seattle, and in the process of doing so, they ran into people on the Trans Am. Oh yep. Um, and they were like, "That sounds dope." <laughs> um, so then they, so then they like decided they wanted to do the Trans Am, and so they trained for it, and um, and it was fun to like watch them do that, and then I, I ended up supporting Max on a on a ride that he did from new york to las vegas um that's a whole like i said you should talk to max that is a whole story unto itself and definitely quite the adventure i think um, we talked briefly because it was about the, about the e-bike wheel or the e-wheel yeah okay yeah yeah yep. exactly yeah i'll have to talk um, to him <laughs> for sure and it was just super fun to like support him and um, and I was like, this is fun. And basically I moved to LA and needed a way to get around town. So I bought a bike and then I think Max likes to say 10 days later, but I think it was actually two weeks. Um, I was like, well, fuck, if my siblings do hella long rides, I need to too. <laughs> so two weeks after getting my bike, we did, uh, my first century, but it ended up being 170 miles for the weekend. Cause we biked from Malibu up into Ojai camped and then biked back and that was our 100 mile day um and so it kind of was just like pretty much most of my biking is just following max around mm-hmm. <laughs> and like going out through stuff with him and and it just yeah so like i mean i said it was like two years ago 2018 um it just kind of was my primary form of transportation and then i was like oh this is fun it's like fun to be out and about and it's a good excuse to eat a ton of food and see beautiful places um so we would do long rides now and then together or i do them on my own and then really it sort of kicked up at, during covid actually um because mm-hmm. max wanted he had his eyes set on the hoodoo and we you know we got to colorado well i, I was here max joined me here and it was kind of like all right we need a plan you know we need structure to our days we need things to do and max had the hoodoo ahead of him um because that yeah so back in march and that for august so he came up with like this or he he got someone to pay for this like big this training plan and and i would kind of train sort of at the same time as he would a lot of times so he'd okay. he'd go for a long ride and i'd go for a long ride and then we we're like all right we got to do our double century now and so we we planned for that 
and we did it much faster than we thought we were gonna do it um and then we're like okay well we crushed that what's next <laughs> you know triple <laughs> like all right and so you know max being max he's like we have to make it super epic so let's plant let's let's do border to border so we went from the northern border of colorado to the southern border of colorado awesome. um and that ended up being 330 miles total and so i wouldn't it was sort of like an accident that i got into ultra riding <laughs> just because it was like this is fun we get to go on adventures we like like i said we get to eat good food and see cool stuff and and yeah it just it's like a cool way to spend a day um but yeah so that's that's kind of how i how i got into it long way long way of saying it <laughs> okay yeah that's that's pretty um pretty incredible how it kind of uh sparked up uh during covid and then all of a sudden you're just knocking out the the single double and triple centuries <laughs> why not you gotta gotta <laughs> just crush miles <laughs> totally that's the fun part and so um so you didn't really have uh any like specific formal training leading into the hoodoo you're no. kind of just riding with max yeah pretty much that was it and it and it in kind of retrospect, I, I had been training for it because we had mm -hmm. trained for doing the 300 and stuff, but like I had no intention of doing the hoodoo. Max literally like a few weeks prior was like, you have to do this now because you've done 300 miles. And he filled out the sheet for me, like and put all, all my information in, put in the credit card and was just like, you just have to hit submit. And like, <laughs> that's how you're doing it. And I was like, well, fuck, okay um so it was, and like and i had been planning a trip to california so i was like I, i'm leaving the nice elevation which is helpful for training mm -hmm. to go to sea level and like may or may not be able to bike um so it anyways but it worked out i i made it <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah that's pretty funny yeah. i read your um i read your blog your blog post about the race oh yeah and how max ended up like filling out the information for you and then he's like you just have to press the button like i'll fill it out but you still have to be the one to commit <laughs> yep, exactly that was it he was like you just have to say yes and um we've we've done a lot of like goal settings and like we created this whole constitution for our our lives here and and basically just like with things to push ourselves and and it was, it was sort of like you know you you're not well, I think what was the particular one, but it's, you know, explore your comforts or go beyond your comfort zone, basically is what it is. And mm -hmm. he's like, this is a good way to go beyond your comfort zone. And I was like, oh, I'll, maybe <laughs> I'll regret it if I don't do it. <laughs> and so, yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Having a, um, uh, having him as an accountability partner. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was really fun. And it, it's like, it's fun to have it not only being like my brother, he's my brother, he's my friend. And like, you know, we, we get it, we ride well together, um, which is really nice. So I like to pace us because he will go faster than I will. <laughs> um, but that way we kind of, you know, we push each other. And if somebody starts to, to sag and or bonk, it's like, are you eating? Are you drinking? Do you have mm -hmm. enough snacks? Like, um, so it's, it, it makes it so much easier than riding alone. So doing the hoodoo by myself is really, I mean, I've done a couple like centuries on my own, mm -hmm. but that was my first like big, big thing by myself, which I was like, 
pretty nervous about because I was like, who's going to, who's going to help me get up the hills? <laughs> <laughs> who's going to tell me so to I eat? Yeah, exactly. Who's going to yell at me when I'm peeing too long, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely a bit of a, a step up. Um, I noticed that you, with your blog, you mentioned um, a little bit about, about your, uh, like, logistical, pre- logistical prep for the race. Um, more or less just, just oh, thinking there was going to yeah. be gas stations or convenience stores, and, and maybe there weren't as many as you expected. Oh yeah. Like again, this is going to be the theme of this conversation is I do everything with Max. And so like Max, he plans everything and he, he's like, okay, we're going to stop in these places. And you know, and so I just didn't really think about it until I got to Utah and, and it was basically, Max was like, do you know where you're going to stop? And I was like, no, can't, can I just stop at the gas stations? He's like, no, things are going to be closed. And, and so it was literally like the night before, I guess, or like, you know the day before i was sitting on my laptop like googling things like oh shit there's nothing in these towns like hmm i guess i'll have to pack more water yeah definitely so um leading leading into the race did you have any any uh set set goal for it or or set um set plans on on how you're going to um I guess, uh, go after it, approach it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so basically since we had finished, uh, I kind of was, I had a few different things that I was looking at. We had finished our 330 miles in 23 hours. So I was like, okay, I can definitely finish in under 23 hours. I know that. Um, and then I, and then what I did is I looked up like the race history um, to see what other people's times were. Cause obviously it was like an extra 6,000 feet of climbing, which slows you down. So I was, so then I was like, okay, what are the times that have been done before? And the best woman's time was like 26 hours. And I was like, Oh, I got that one in the back. Like I can definitely finish <laughs> in under 26. <laughs> and, and then I, so then I looked at like the men's time. Um, and then also the women's supported times. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I tried the men's time was like a little bit faster than what I felt like I could do. Um, but I felt like I could beat the women's supported time. So I basically just found that top time and I looked at her splits and tried to plan my timing off of that. Um, but I thought her, like I was a little thrown off because her first section was super fast. Mm -hmm. And then the next few sections were a lot slower. And I, and I looked at other people's and that was sort of a pattern. And so I was like, is there something I don't know about this race? Like, <laughs> is there some secret thing that happens at some point? Um, but basically, I, I just kind of tried to take 20 minutes off of each of those timestamps um, and then set those as my pacing goals. Okay, awesome. Did you, did you, have, um, did you have like marks set down or like splits or anything for like when you reach this town or, or a cue sheet, I guess? Um, I think I took, yeah, I think I took a screenshot of like my goals and put it as like my, my lock screen or whatever, which turned out to be a terrible idea because it was too small and impossible to read. Um, (laughs) Like if I had music playing or something and then the Spotify thing was in the way. Um, 
but yeah so i had it like on my phone i didn't it would have been better if i had like printed it out i've seen i saw that people have done that where they like print it and put it on the stem or whatever and um Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah so I, i had it on my phone okay nice yeah that's that's kind of what i like to do like yeah just being able to to peek at it every once in a while and see see where i am and then yeah sometimes feel really disappointed <laughs> depending <laughs> oh what was so funny is i was i mean i think i was behind her time for the first section by almost an hour really like, I, yeah i was way behind her time but i was like so cheerful and like i was like oh i've got this like no problem <laughs> i was like i can make this time um yeah, but I was I was within the first like two hours. I was like well behind where I should have been mm. if I was like trying to beat her times at the timestamps. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was it was both encouraging and discouraging at the same time. Right. Yeah. Do you think that was uh, was a factor of maybe being um, being apprehensive at the start, or do you think that w- that actually worked out well for you being conservative? I think it worked out. I like, I joke that I'm the queen of pacing. Like I, <laughs> I'm not like a quick out the gate kind of person. Um, and I think what happens is people go out really hard mm-hmm, on definitely. the, on, on anything. Um, and I was kind of, you know, not to be sexist, but women tend to be a little bit better at pacing, which is why I was like surprised when this, these other ladies were like consistently fast out the gate. So I was like, I was confused by that, but I think, you know, adrenaline kicks in, especially for people who are supported and they've got people handing them stuff and they're just zooming along. Um, so that, yeah, it, it yeah. Anyways, that, that was bad. <laughs> got it. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's pretty interesting with the, the, the supported and self-supported was, was that going on at the same time? Yeah, so we okay. started to the, the unsupported group, um, Max. So Max's group and my group, we were my group had two, his group had four. We all started at 5 a.m. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know exactly why they do that, why they have us start first, but I honestly was so glad because we missed a lot of the traffic. Um, and then, excuse me, the supported group starts at seven, so they start two hours behind us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is nice. Starting earlier, not dealing with traffic, less heat during the day. Um, yeah, it, it timed it very nicely. Um, but the fun part about the, or an interesting part was so by the second time stop, um, obviously I had to go inside to like check in and and all my, and I had like food and things at, at the stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was there in the bathroom and doing my thing, the men started catching me. Um, okay. The, the ones who had started two hours behind. And so I think three, I saw like three or four cyclists come in. And then I was like doing my math of like, okay, if the men are catching me now and the men's times are this and they're two hours behind, how am I on, pe- on pace? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a lot of mental math, a lot of talking to myself. Um, but what was like very satisfying is it was at the beginning of like the really gnarly climb and basically one guy passed me at first and then he stopped at his car well one guy took off and i never saw him again um and then 
as I was climbing, a bunch of cars were like passing me and parking, which okay. told me that like those guys were like right behind me. So right, I was just yep. like trying to, I was trying to stay in front of them. <laughs> so I was like, I can't, I don't want to be passed. I know they're like guys and they're two hours at, you know, whatever. And they're supported, but I was like, I don't want to be passed. And sort of slowly during that climb, a car would just kind of drop off and I'd stop seeing him again. And, and oh, so like nice. by, which was great. And then, but one car kept consistently passing me, which was the guy who ended up winning, um, BJ, I'm, it was his name and his whole family was in the in the vans like they had like multiple cars they had signs and cowbells and a whole deal so every time oh, they awesome. would stop they'd like cheer me on too so i felt like i had like my own support team <laughs> which was so great um and then eventually he ended up passing me and i was like devastated because i was like no my support team's gone um How dare but it was you? really cute it, I know, rude. Um, <laughs> but they waited for me for one more stop, and I'm sure you read that in the blog. And it was really cute and, and sweet of them. But he, that was the only person who who passed me like actively cycling, and I left all the other guys in the dust. I think that was where my my altitude training came in handy because it was like I got up to 8,000 feet, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm home now. <laughs> like this is this is my normal base level altitude. Like cool. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. I yeah, like definitely. That. that helps. That helps provide as incentive when you have the the cars to uh, to kind of key off of. Yeah, totally. So sidetracking just a, just a second with your with your <laughs> blog, um, you did a write up about the race report, but it seems like the your blog isn't necessarily um, about athletic endeavors. Is that is that accurate? That is very accurate indeed. <laughs> I was like, hmm, how can I drive traffic to my website? Nice. <laughs> I will post my report on my website. Um, I make I make dumplings and I host dumpling making parties. Oh, cool. Um, and so that's what the website's for. And and I'm actually once we get off the call, I'm prepping a bunch of dumpling making kits to deliver to Denver tomorrow. Wow, that sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, I don't know where <laughs> you are, but you know, I'm coming to California soon, so. Oh man, other direction. I'm in uh Portland. <laughs> oh, okay. Max is get, getting the dumplings. Yeah, he'll he'll be getting some. I'm I'm sure, but one day I'll I'll, I'll work my way up the coast. Perfect. I'll be here. <laughs> All right. So in terms of um in terms of riding the the route, um, you mentioned that there was one big hill. Um, so it was it was mostly road, right? Yeah, it was or all primarily right. road. Okay. Yeah. And then how, um, what was the terrain like in terms of the, uh, like the elevation profile? You know, this is one of those questions that I always forget the information for. Uh, <laughs> but it was, there were like a couple climbs early that weren't huge. Uh, but it, I mean, it started, I forget how high st george is like maybe 2000 feet was the starting elevation and then the highest point was 10,000 feet uh um, okay and the, i so and i think that and the total amount of climbing was 17,000 um but the biggest was from Panguitch up to the top um and that and that was i think from like 4,000 up to 
10? No, that seems too much. I don't know. I'm I'm terrible at that part. That sounds definitely sounds possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did the the Utah mixed epic race. Um that was I oh, think nice. maybe like a couple weeks before that. And we definitely had, had oh, yeah. times that were kind of similar, going to like four to ten. Um so yeah, okay. I, I would not be surprised. <laughs> um speaking of the the uh on our in our race with the with the climbs and the descents um it was it was definitely a bit chilly so i think you uh you had mentioned the same in terms of having difficulties with the descents yeah so we got really lucky in terms of the the like the t- my timing was good for the most part um where the weather was nice all day um but i got to the top I got to the the top point at right as the sun was going down. And so that descent, and it was just a little bit rainy. Um, so the oh. descent was like very cold. Oh, no. <laughs> and I didn't, I, was, I, I didn't really have much layers to like put on anyways. Um, well, no, that's, I had, that's why I had my, I must have, I had my puppy because I put that on once I got to the bottom, but it was kind of like, I was just like, I need to just get to the bottom. I don't want to stop. Um, cause it was just straight downhill very fast and it was cold and it was getting dark and I was like, I'm just going to think of my hot chocolate at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to get you there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something has to, right? Definitely. Um, for the, for the food and, and, you know, taking in as many calories as possible, was there anything that you found, um, was, was easiest for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, huh. Um, so Max turned me on to Perpetuum, which is like a powder. Um, and that definitely is like the easiest thing to have consistently. Um, cause it's just like a, gives a boost of energy all day. Um, and then it's e- once you're kind of overly full at the end of the day, it's easy to keep drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, nuts. I eat a lot of nuts. <laughs> Those tend to stay consistently easy. Definitely. Um, yeah, I love salt. gummy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So much salt. I had, we got salt capsules and those I think were honestly my saving grace. Cause like I, I took like a bag of like 30 and I was like, oh, I won't need all of these. I 100% consumed every single one. Oh, like, really? <laughs> by the end day, I was like, where are my salt tablets? Um, <laughs> and those, those were actually, those were really easy because they were just pills. So I would just swallow them. Um, so there, I didn't have to like, you know, worry about digesting them. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually like to eat like gummies. So my, I always, I have like a feed bag and um i'll always fill it with like almonds pistachios and gummies uh that's typically kind of like what i like to have on hand to just grab and snack on and then i'll have like i had like a sandwich i made like salami sandwiches to pick up at my time stop so i'd have those to munch on i had a couple like apple danishes in my pocket at different times Uh, yeah (laughs) um (laughs) Well, like, you know, by hour 16, it's kind of hard to, like, keep eating full food. Um, right, so yeah. I ended up just kind of munching on the almonds and, and just reminding myself to, to drink water in, in perpetuum. 
Nice. Yeah, that's the that's what I've found helps me a ton, especially like when your stomach gets upset and you can't really take in something solid. Just having that the uh, the liquid calories available. Yeah, that makes a difference. Yeah, and then for for the time stops, how how many of those were there? So there were only so there were two that I could have food at, like I could pack bags for. And then there was one more or two more where I had to text. So there was four total time stops, um, but only two where I had stuff that I could pick up. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So were you, were you mostly um, relying on, on those time stops where you have, have like the drop bags for food or were you still um, like going into uh, like a, a gas station or convenience store? Um, most, so for the first, until I got to the descent, which of course I can't remember the town, um, it was pretty much all the stuff that I packed. Um, the annoying thing was that the first, the two stops that had my food were only like 30 miles apart from each other. Um, so oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have, a, I have a dog saying hello. Hi Brody. Um, <laughs> So it was like, I barely got, I picked up a bunch of stuff at the first stop and then I barely got through any of it by the time I got to the second one. Mm. So I ended up leaving a lot of food, um, that I had packed. Cause it was just like, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't need it yet. Um, and then I stopped at a convenience store, uh, where I stocked up. And then after that I had nowhere else I could stop. Oh, okay. So that was pretty, it was pretty, yeah, it was just those three places that I picked up food. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's not too bad. So you didn't have to worry too much about, about closed, closed stores. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was nice. And it, it's also like, yeah, the, the last, you know, 90 miles, it's like, you're not, I don't really want to eat that much. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but at night I don't, I, I for it's easier to forget to eat um, for mm -hmm. whatever reason and forget to drink. So it's like at that point, I'm just not consuming as much as I would during the day. Um, and I've also already, you know, stored all the calories in my cheeks. So <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy way to do it. They're always available then. <laughs> yeah, yeah right there. Um, so during the ride were you uh were you encountering encountering many of the racers like were you like ping-ponging back and forth with people or oh pretty solo? no not at all okay um yeah the only person who i actually like saw while biking was the one guy who passed me um i saw a few at the at the second time stop as they were pulling in um but yeah i didn't i didn't see anybody else okay. um, and i think i saw like one person out going the other direction like you know just biking but mm -hmm. um yeah i didn't run into anybody it was, was kind of like where is everybody <laughs> but it's also like i'm winning <laughs> yeah definitely that definitely helps <laughs> yeah my sister was texting me you're crushing everyone <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay all right cool all right People well, i guess i'll me. just That's keep cool. doing what i'm doing yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. So for, for, did you have any, any, um, like tracking system for the race, like track leaders or map progress? Do you know where you yeah. could see other racers? 
I could have. Um, I think they, what was it called? Oh God, I, I can't remember. But yeah, th there was a leaderboard where you could look at, look at it. Um, I did not want to look. I okay, just like, nice. yeah, I was like, I don't want to know where people are. Um, especially because anybody who would be coming up behind me was, there was only one other guy in my division. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't want to know where he was and anyone else who was coming up behind me would have been supported. So it was like in my, you know, it would have messed with my head if, I, cause I'd have to be doing all my mental math of like, okay, well they left two hours behind. And so that means they're on this base. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I, I didn't want yeah they're somewhere <laughs> um and then with uh with the writing at night how do you how do you uh enjoy that or or handle that it, it seems like you had a little bit of experience with it before with uh training with yeah Max. yeah i you know it was something that like made me really nervous in theory mm -hmm. um and i'm and i'm glad that i had done one with max um to kind of get that so i could understand what it felt like it is nice because you just don't see cars very much um and mm -hmm. if you do you see them from a mile away um and that was something max kept telling me and i just didn't believe him until we actually rode at night and it was like oh yeah that makes sense it's like a lot easier to see them and hear them because it's quieter and dark um so for the most part i really didn't encounter many cars um and I'm really glad I didn't have any issues with my bike um, because that would have, <laughs> it would have been a problem not seeing cars if I needed to like hitch a ride <laughs> uh, if something <laughs> broke down. But yeah, it, it, it ended up being fine. I think the thing, at least like descending in the dark, the thing I get really nervous about is like animals. Um, sure, definitely. Because you know, deer can just come out of nowhere. Um, but I think by the time it was like truly dark, I was out of the areas where that would really happen. Um, and, and it's kind of nice when you can't see in front of you because you don't really know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a sort of, it's like, oh, it's a pleasant or not pleasant surprise that I'm still going up. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, you're just blissful, <laughs> blissfully ignorant to the, to the upcoming hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I know you. Uh, you also mentioned the your uh, your riding attire. Oh yeah, for the race, which is which is a little bit more unconventional. <laughs> Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, you know there are things that I don't like to spend money on, and fancy riding clothes is certainly one of them. Um, I think I got. Yeah, it's expensive. Um, I did, you know, I did a few big rides with Max, like in bike shorts and just got super uncomfortable mm -hmm. and just found that wearing basketball shorts and just like thin sport liners underneath, like just regular basketball spandex was my most comfortable, mm -hmm. um, on my long rides. And, and then I have Max's bike Jersey on top, which is a, or it's a, it's, Kona Brewing Company. It's a beer jersey that he got from a friend and he cut the sleeves off. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> size is too big for me and it looks kind of silly because it's very poorly cut sleeves. Um, 
but yeah so i i ended up i did buy some line shorts um just because i was like well maybe i should give it a try i kind of maybe regret having done that without actually practicing in them before because i ended up kind of being uncomfortable by the end of the ride sure. but it's also like i I probably would have been uncomfortable in whatever shorts I had on. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what what was interesting about changing the shorts and I haven't really like tested this again since is that uh I often get a lot of like shoulder pain and neck discomfort and I don't know if it somehow like having that pad changed how I sat in my seat. And so it actually I didn't have quite as much pain in my shoulder this time. And I, so I was like, I wonder if it has something to do with changing how my hips were placed. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I look kind of silly when I ride because I, I just look like I'm a basketball player who <laughs> the wrong event. <laughs> not going for the aerodynamic look. <laughs> oh, certainly not. Definitely not. Not cool. Not swift. Not, none of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. No it, I mean, it's for me. <clears throat> yeah. It is interesting because that's, especially like with bikepacking, it seems like um, a lot of people may be trending that direction um, with like not using uh, like bibs or chamois and like trying to, to step away from that. And I think oh, it makes I didn't, sense. Yeah. It, it makes sense because it, it just like, it's more comfortable. You're mm -hmm. not as, I don't know. I, mean, I To be fair, I haven't like tried having bibs or chamois, you know, anything. So you know, call me in a year and I may be on the, on the bib train. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for now the, I, I figured out what worked and I didn't really, you know, I don't, I don't want to mess with it too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, so for the, the, uh, the final 60 miles, I think it was, um, it wasn't as downhill as expected. No, I felt so deceived. <laughs> like, I got, on the on the terrain map like at the bottom you know the ride with gps it's mm -hmm. it looks like you get to the top of the climb and it's like okay now it's downhill from here but i got to the top and my wahoo only said sixteen thousand feet and i was like okay is is someone you know did my wahoo do something wrong it's you know <laughs> like is it like how it's only 296 miles not 300 miles um but no, 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 there was still another thousand feet to go. So it was pretty much like for every two feet down, I was one foot up. So I'd have like a nice little descent and then a little mini climb and then another descent oh, and then a climb. I was like, oh, so just a lot of rolling. It, um, so there was nothing like too major on the climbing, but you know, some, sometimes at, at that point, you're kind of like at anything where I have to go back up, I'm just not super stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when your expectations were a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't like, you know, listen to the to the map a little better, but you know, I, I really wanted to believe that it was more downhill than it was. That's understandable, especially coming towards <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, at what point um, during the race did you realize that you were going to be uh, hitting those records? Um, I didn't think I was going to hit the record, but honestly, what was, I think I realized that I was going to beat my goals when I was behind my tempo for the other lady. Um, <laughs> cause I was like, I was on track <laughs> for a seven hour century and I, and 
And I was like, oh, well this, you know, if I get, if I'm on track for a seven hour on this one, if I can maintain, if I can hit that again for the next two, um, or even if I, I think I gave myself eight hours for the middle one mm -hmm. because I knew there was a lot more climbing. And even if I did that, if I had seven, eight and seven, I was going to still beat the times. Um, so even though I was like behind what I had initially set as my time goals, I still just was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat my time goals. <laughs> uh, but then it was, I think it wasn't really until the last like 50 where I was like, Oh, I can actually beat the men's. Um, okay. Yeah. And that, and that's when I was, then I really like kicked it into gear kind of towards the end. Cause I was like, I have to get, be faster than the men's unsupported time. Cause at that point I was like, I was an hour and a half of ahead of schedule of the women. Um, mm -hmm. so it was just a question if I could catch the men's time, but I didn't really know that I could do that until, till the last little bit. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. So it was your, your first, first ultra cycling race. And then you ended up getting the, the women's unsupported course record beating the men's unsupported course record. And then you got the, the women's supported record as, as well. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I also congratulations. Like I these races. So it's like, at the same, it's cool, but at the same time, it's not like I'm like, you know, there's not a huge stack of people that I, I want, I beat, but. I'd say that's still, yeah, it's still quite respectable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for, let's see, for, uh, for the majority of the race, it sounds like, uh, were you in a pretty good mindset most of the time? It sounded like it, you were, you were pretty positive. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I had any real low moments, but honestly, I think for the most part, I think because I just by doing the race at all, I was sort of exceeding my expectations. Um, and then I kept setting sort of like mini goals as I was going, um, that I hadn't set initially. So like, after the first couple climbs it flattened out quite a bit mm -hmm. before you got to the big climb and so in that flat stretch i was like okay let me see if i can get myself to a 15 mile an hour average before i hit the next time stop because that if i can get that for the first 136 miles um it'll be easier to maintain a higher overall average once i hit that really gnarly climb mm -hmm. um so that, like having those little things that sort of got, I set sort of in the process, um, definitely helped keep my, my spirits high. And then having people, you know, my family texting me and, um, uh, not having people catch me helped. Um, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and, and I did, I, um, singing a lot helped as well. Just blasting, blasting music and, and singing while I was writing and, um that yeah that also helped <laughs> yeah that's that's one of my favorites especially at night. yeah <laughs> oh yeah super fun i definitely didn't realize there were some campsites near me at a few points and i was like well you guys are hearing me but whatever it's happening <laughs> you're welcome for the entertainment yeah you're very welcome <laughs> um so is there anything that you would that you'd want to um tell yourself now in retrospect leading into the race is there anything you'd you'd tell yourself to uh to better prepare for it um no 
I think almost my lack of preparation was a benefit mm-hmm. um because I didn't really know what I was getting into so I couldn't like totally psych myself out on it um I think just with anything just reminding myself to like have a little more confidence in myself that I can do stuff like that um yeah but no, I don't I don't know that I could have prepared any better or any any differently than what I did um just because we were do I was doing so much riding just up until that point maybe not go to California where there's fires and a lot of smoke you know <laughs> but <laughs> yeah again whatever unfortunately I just can't plan for that <laughs> No, okay, and it gave me some good rest time. Let my legs. Yeah, there you go. Ready There's a positive. To power up and yeah, um, but yeah, no, I. Yeah, overall, <laughs> I think because it was such a surprise that I did well that like, and it how I did exceeded my expectations that, um, I don't I don't have a lot to like, be be bummed you know want to change you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it seems like uh, when I was reading your blog, it seemed like you were um, pretty pretty well well focused on on some of like the standard like important stuff that it takes to uh, you know to to be good at these these ultra events. Um, for example, like time on bike, like that. It seemed like that was your yeah. your primary focus, just like staying on the bike, mini- minimizing stop time. Yeah, I took very fast peas. As fast as I could. <laughs> that can be difficult to train for, though. <laughs> it is tough, and and it's like, and the other, you know, it's there's just there can be unexpected things that like make you need to stop, mm-hmm. um, and and like that, yeah, that that's definitely I'm, I learned from Max and I's long ride on the on the stop time because we took a lot of long stops, um, and so realizing that like we could have we could have finished much faster just simply if we had cut down a little bit on each of our stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was ultimately, I think what, yeah, what made a huge difference. Like I think the only time I sat down was when I sat on a toilet a couple times. Um, but there was no, like, I, I didn't let myself take a, get comfortable in stopping. Um, Cause you just, you know, that, that's when you get tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the dangerous aspect. <laughs> yeah. So do you have uh do you have any plans moving forward? Are you are you interested in pursuing the ultra cycling a little bit more or was that a uh, you know a fun experience or experiment? <laughs> oh, I think I mean it definitely it, it, it it's just like anything where like you get a taste and you can kind of get addicted. And, and once the saddle sores heal and you know, your stomach recovers and you kind of forget <laughs> the really gnarly parts of it. Um, it's kind of like, Oh, maybe I can do that again. I think it's, it's also just like a factor of like where I am physically and um, what actually makes sense logistically. But mm-hmm. I think it would be fun to try to do another one. I think, doing it again would be will be harder just simply because my expectations for myself will be much higher going into it um because i'll be like oh well you did this last time and you hit these times and all this stuff so um 
yes i think in theory it would be fun to do i i think it also it would be fun to do like a relay version or mm-hmm. a team you know some kind of team team endurance ride um but i i don't have any like races in mind that i would do um but i was i was very flattered that uh, somebody reached out to me and asked if i would want to be on a team sometime and i was like oh cool uh, that's awesome yeah i was like whoa that's unexpected like oh yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is interesting that makes for a fun dynamic i assume yeah i don't know i mean the only person i ever ride with is is my brother so i'm like i i I would have a hard time like letting down anyone else and like you know we can yell at each other but i can't like yell at a stranger or have them yell at me or you know (laughs) i thought you gotta earn like yeah, you got to earn like a certain amount of trust with somebody if you're going to do those kind of like long distance things and um, and be able to like hit really low points together and, and be able to know how to support each other and in the correct ways, you know, because some people respond better to certain types of support, criticism, however you want to put it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely. And everybody is just a little bit more sensitive on these when you're sleep deprived. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, I don't I don't know if I asked you. I I asked about your um, what got you into biking. But do you have any um, any other athletic background? It definitely seems like uh, you do, based on <laughs> how well you picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I played basketball all the way through college. Okay. Um. So that was my sport most of my life. And I also danced, which does not translate to cycling in any shape or form. Um, and and then I did, after college, I did CrossFit for about five years pretty seriously. Um, and then um, when I got to LA, I sort of didn't like the CrossFit communities there. So I didn't want to do that. And I ended up getting a lot more, I was doing a little bit of boxing here and there. Um, but once I got to LA, I got a lot more into boxing. Um, but yeah, so kind of dabble in a few different kind of all over the place. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, so pretty much like overall, like overall fitness and, and, um, uh, flexibility, I think. Yeah, yeah. boxing that sounds pretty fun <laughs> it's very fun i highly recommend it i encourage all people to do it you know get to release a lot of tension and it's also a really really good workout right yeah that's a good outlet <laughs> yeah. awesome well yeah i uh i really appreciate um you taking the time to to chat with me about the race yeah um, Thanks for asking. I'm, I'm like I said, totally. I'm so flattered. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Um, okay. Yeah, just like hearing about the story and how you just like decided to jump into this like two weeks before and then blew it out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just gotta, gotta do stuff that's a little scary and, and you know, and then. It kind of changed, you know, all of a sudden other things just get a lot less scary. She's like, oh, that, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I can take risks on other things too. 
All right, everybody, that wraps episode number 14 with Emily Lippy. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, as always, if you if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate if you liked and reviewed the podcast um, on your favorite platform. That'll help bring some more visibility to the podcast. And also, if you have any suggestions for somebody to interview or a topic um, for me to talk about, feel free to let me know. You can reach out to me directly on Instagram at experienced by bike. Thanks again.